Well, let's continue in our series. This is week four. We're talking about in him scriptures that define your identity in Christ. Remember, we're talking about the power of your identification with Christ. The word identification means that you are considered or treated the same. Now that's a massive statement when you start to think about that. But we've said some things in the past and we'll just review a little bit and then we'll keep going tonight. We're gonna take our time in this series. Both this series and the series on Sunday morning are gonna be very extensive. These two subjects, the Lord is burning it in my heart. You have to know who you are. We're setting a stage to really be able to do a series on Sunday and really get into how that you and I are the righteousness of God in Christ. We've been made that. So we're going to talk about righteousness, but we have to lay a foundation here. We said this, we've said this every time, and we'll probably say this every time throughout this whole series, that our identity, your individual identity is found in who you are in Christ. That's where you find it. You don't find it anywhere else. Nothing else in your life defines you as a child of God. Now that's a big statement, isn't it? That means that your past failures do not define you. Your past successes don't define you, right? Your identity is found in Christ. If it is found in anything else, what's going to start happening is things on the outside, the environment, your family, the thoughts that you're thinking based on what you're perceiving out here will start to define you. And, and what happens at that moment is you'll lose, a, you lose sight of who you actually are. So we said this, my complete and total identity comes from Jesus Christ. Now that sounds so simple, but think about your life. Have you ever allowed something else to start to define you? right? Sometimes sickness and disease will start to define a person. Sometimes a handicap will start to define a person. But in Christ is where our identity is. We discover who we are, how? As we see who he is. And there's no way for us to see who he is unless the Holy Spirit bring revelation knowledge of the word of God to our hearts. The reason why we're saying these things, and we're, going to, and we're going to get into it a little bit tonight, but when you start to see who you are, that you have the very, the same life that Jesus has in him right now, the same life that God the Father has in him right now, the same life that the Holy Spirit has in him right now, you have in you right now. See, where we're going here is so many times our behavior identifies us. But you are not what you've done or you are not what you do. The Bible, your creator, your father defines who you are and that is found in Christ. As you see who he is, you now discover who you are in him. 
So you discover your true identity. This is, you, you, won't, you won't know this until you come to this point. When you make a decision to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Now, that's a one-time decision that is walked out every moment of every day of your life. And this is the game. Satan will try to throw thoughts, create circumstances. He'll try to lure you off your path. He'll try to drop thoughts and get you to take them to start believing what you're feeling, what you're seeing, what you're experiencing is who you are, and it's going to define your life. And that's just not true. It's a lie of the enemy. Christ, we said this, is our life. He doesn't just give us life. This is a big thing with Christianity. When you lead somebody to Christ, the first thing you should tell them is that. Christ is your life. Does he give you life? Absolutely. But as a Christian, it's not about me living for God It's about me surrendering to his lordship, crucifying my flesh, keeping that under so that he now can live through me. That's Christianity. Him living through me, not me living for him. Have you ever tried to live for him? You kind of get on a works treadmill. And the works treadmill is an interesting treadmill because what happens is... It's not like a regular treadmill when you go to the gym and you're in control of the button. No, the works treadmill, it'll keep going a little bit faster and then a little bit faster. And then when you think you got that under control, then it'll start inclining a little bit. And it'll go faster and it'll incline more. And, and you're, you're trying, I'm just trying to confess enough. I'm trying to do this enough. I'm try, and, and, and your whole, your healing, your prosperity, your life is based on you And then, guess what? You fail, right? But here's the thing. When Christ is living through you, whenever you start to go a wrong way, you'll be able to make that adjustment because you'll know he's not mad at me. He's for me, right? You'll you'll, you'll be believing God for something and all of a sudden you'll just, you, you just give in to your feelings and you're like, you know, this is just not working out. And instead of going, oh my gosh, I just lost it all. You'll go, Father, that that just came, I spoke out of my flesh. I know that's not true. I confess that before you right now. I curse those words. I command them to die. And see, you won't think you've got to go back to square one and start over. You'll just rehook up the trailer and keep going. Right? Because this is the picture you're, you're closer to your miracle than you can even imagine. To be honest with you, you already, you already own it. It's already in you. God's already gave it to you. You're not trying to get him to give it to you. He's already given it to you. And as you find out who you are, you find out how to just simply receive it. So simple. So Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Let's jump off here tonight. Ephesians 2.10. Hallelujah. You guys doing okay? This is a good, good subject. It says here, for we are his workmanship. The Greek word poema. We get our word poem from this. We are his workmanship. 
It literally means that we are God's work of art. We are God's masterpiece. Where were we created? You were created in Christ Jesus. If you look at a Bible and you don't understand positional truth versus temporal truth, you'll think, because you don't know how to discern this, you'll think that when you do good, you're in Christ, and when you don't, you're not. But Romans defines what it means to be in Christ. If the Holy Spirit dwells in you, you are in Christ. So that means every person who's ever received Christ is in Christ because the Holy Spirit dwells in them. Does that make sense? So that's, we're in Christ. We were actually created in Christ. All the promises of God are in Christ, yes, and in Christ, amen. Well, guess where all those blessings are? They're all in Christ. We've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places where? In Christ, where we are. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, and it comes through the knowledge of who? Christ. As we gain knowledge of him, we gain, we're able to partake of this divine nature that we already possess. Created in Christ Jesus. In other words, what God is saying through the Apostle Paul, this letter was a circulatory letter. It wasn't just for the church at Ephesus. It was, it was for Faith Family Church in 2021. What he's meaning here, created in Christ Jesus, it's meaning that God the Father put everything in Christ that he wanted for you. Because you're in Christ. Everything Jesus is, is in you and it's for you. And it says here, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Not by good works. You don't get this because you do good works. You get this, and because you have this, now you'll be able to produce good works, which he, which he, God, hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Remember we said this, good works cannot produce a new nature, but your new nature will produce the good works. So see, this whole series is about you just relaxing and actually being who you are. It takes a lot of inner turmoil to walk as somebody that you're not. But to just give yourself a break and allow Christ to work through you. He's pleased with you. He loves you. He's for you. Why? Because you've been created in Christ. So as we said last week, as we just ended last week, there are 130 plus scriptures in the New Testament that tell you who you are right now in Christ, okay? So now I'll tell you about a book. Now this is a book, I'm, I'm gonna get off the hook here. We will never carry this in our bookstore, okay? This A.J. Gordon, he lived from about 1836 to 1895. And he wrote a book in Christ that is phenomenal. Now it's, it was out of print they brought it back in print. If you were to Google A.J. Gordon in Christ, 
you'll probably be able to figure out how to, how to find one. Uh, it is so good when we're talking about our identity is found in Christ. A.J. Gordon had some great revelation on what that meant. So if you're building your library, this is a phenomenal book, and I would encourage. Now, it's written by a guy who lived in the 1800s, right? So it's kind of like reading the King James Bible. They, they just, but, but actually, see, you know, I, I live in the King James, and then I use all the other translations uh, just to support that. The reason why is the King James is a word-for-word translation, with the current Hebrew and Greek tools that we have, we could really see some things. Um, but I kind of like, see, a lot of people try to train themselves how to read faster. But I spend my life disciplining myself to read slower. All those these and thous and all that stuff, that slows me down enough so that I could really get some stuff. Because I'll read something and I'm like, and I got to read it again and read it again. Some of the newer translations, you just go 900 miles an hour. You can just, it just flows with your speech. And that's why we have a lot of people that don't have much depth because, you know, we want to conquer. So if I'm reading Ephesians, I got to read it. The goal is to read it and get through it. Talk to the guys that come on Tuesday morning. We're at about Colossians 3.17. And there's only four chapters in Colossians, but we've spent 15 weeks going verse by verse through Colossians. There's a lot there. So reading this book in Christ will help you because you'll read it slow. Notice I said there's 130 plus scriptures in the New Testament. I wonder if God wanted you to know who you are in Christ. They're not scriptures on who you'll grow into as you develop. No, we're talking about who you are right now. When we talk about your identity, we are not talking about what you're going to grow into. We're talking about who you are right now. Okay? So, we said this at the end of, at, right at the end, the law of identification. It, we call it the law of identification. You're, you're identified with Christ. But we made this statement Everything Jesus did, he did for us. It was set to our account as if we did it. In other words, he was made sin so that I could be made his righteousness. Who nailed him to a cross? Roman soldiers, well, in the natural, but in reality, who nailed him to that cross was me and was you. Our sin is what put him on that cross. And he was made to be sin with our sin so that we would be made his righteousness. We learn about this in the, in the law of identification. But here's the thing. In order to understand identification, you have to understand substitution. In other words, when you understand that Jesus paid for your sin, paid for it all, he paid. He literally himself bore your sickness and carried your pain. Not metaphorically something like it. No, yours. How did that happen? I don't know. But God said it, so it's true. On that cross, 
Every pain that has ever hit my body or will ever hit my body hit his body. Every, every sickness, every disease, people think COVID-19, you know, now they're coming out, oh, we have a lot of proof that it was created in a lab in Wuhan, China. Listen, okay, I'll, I'll go you one deeper. Jesus had COVID-19. All the sickness, all the disease of the whole world. So let's get our eyes off all that nonsense and let's get it on what it's supposed to be. Jesus paid so you don't have to. All the arthritis that will ever hit somebody's body, Jesus bore it. All the poverty, all the lack, all the depression, all the anxiety, all the terror, everything, the weight and judgment of the curse of the whole law was put on him. He, he was our substitution. He, he took our place. When you understand that, you'll start to understand how you could be identified with him. So we've been talking about environmental determinism, right? Psychological determinism, Genetic determinism, all this stuff, right? But now let's start to talk about in Christ determinism. And if you don't know what I'm saying, go back and listen to those other messages. It'll help you. In Christ determinism. So we have the term in Christ in the New Testament. It'll say in Christ. It'll say in him. Or it'll say in whom. All three of those statements, when you see that in the word of God, you should underline that because now the word of God is going to identify who you are right now in Christ. It's a great study. Go through all those epistles that Paul wrote and author, well, that Paul penned. You can go right through all of it. And anytime you see in him, in Christ, in whom, it's talking about this in Christ determinism. So now there's a thing called, and you, you don't want to get this. I have it. Uh, it's, you know, I just, uh, I've seen it online and I decided to buy it because I'm like, well, maybe there's some stuff in there. It looks like great sleeping material. But it's called the Translator's New Testament. But I like some of the notes that I've seen before on that. In the Translator's New Testament, this was written for people that would translate scriptures. The notes in the back of the New Testament tell translators one thing that I loved. They are never to change the two words, in Christ, in any translation. They're saying, don't ever, ever, ever change those two words, in Christ. So these words, in Christ, this is a technical term in all of Paul's letters. You have to get, without understanding these words and all the scriptures relating to in Christ, you're going to miss some things. These two words, in Christ, let you into the whole system of doctrinal mysteries that are all throughout the epistles. In Christ. So, Arthur S. Way, this guy... He lived from about 1847 to 1930. He was a Bible translator. He was the headmaster of Wesley College in Melbourne, Australia. He translated Paul's letters and the book of Hebrews, which 
I believe was penned by Paul as well, in 1906. And he made this statement. The key, the key to the Gospels are in the prepositions. The key to the Gospels are in the prepositions. So we're laying a groundwork right now. In the English language, prepositions, they don't carry the weight that they do in the Greek language. So they're unable to carry the gospel message in the weight that it could be carried. So we have to identify the prepositions in the gospel and then really look at them. So what is a preposition, right? Back, you know, when I was in school when dinosaurs ruled the earth, a preposition. It connects and it shows relationship. It connects nouns and pronouns, okay? So here's some examples. The word for, the word with, the word in, okay? The word through, the word by. These are the key to the Gospels. The key to the Gospels are in the prepositions. For, with, in, through, and by. Example, Christ died for us. It's a key, right? He died for us. He was made sin for us. The word for would mean in our behalf. An example, I was crucified with Christ, another preposition. I am identified with Christ in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. Right? So let's go to Philippians chapter 3 in verse 10. And I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Classic. Uh, We used to just say the Amplified until they came out with another version of the Amplified. That's kind of whacked. So now we have to say the Amplified Classic. So if you could put that up there. Philippians 3.10. Can you say whacked in church? I guess you can, right? (laughs) Philippians 3.10. It says here, For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers, and that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness even to his death and then we'll we'll stop right there interesting my determined purpose paul said is to know him wow paul goes on and he he goes on in many of the epistles he goes on to say that i may know christ in the parameters here now when we're talking identity in the parameters of his death, of his burial, and of his resurrection. You have to know those parameters. So in the center 
of the spirit of faith, right? We having the same spirit of faith, we believe and we speak, right? So in the center of the spirit of faith is revelation knowledge of who you and I are in Christ. You're going to make it through everything in your life if you know who you are in Christ. It's, it's key. We have an identity crisis in the body of Christ. We have a big identity crisis in the world. And it's trying to, there's, the powers of darkness are trying to push that further. All this gender stuff and all this stuff you're hearing about, it's all designed to get people and mess with their identity. You don't choose your identity. Your creator chooses, chooses that. And I'm telling you, it's glorious. It's glorious when you learn that. So here we go. 1 John 4, 4 says what? You are of God, little children. You want to, so what is it, ancestry.com? You want to know your lineage? Here it is. You better really know this part of your lineage. You are of God. Oh, you could have fun and look up what nationality and this and that and all this stuff. That's great. But I'm talking about who you are in Christ. You have to know it's God the Father and here you are next. Right? Genetically, you can go and when you, when you go to a doctor, even before you see the doctor, you'll fill out a form. Has anybody in your family ever had this or that or this or that? Because they know that things are passed down. There's genetic dispositions of different things, right? I'm probably not saying that right. But who you are in Christ supersedes all that. Do you know part of being redeemed from the curse of the law, the curse of the law, if you go back to Deuteronomy 28, it talks about how that you are, you have literally been redeemed from the curse of anything that could come down in your natural lineage as a child of God. Who you are in Christ supersedes it. So it doesn't matter if everybody in your family has had cancer. You have the ability in Christ to know who you are and stop all of that. Does that make sense? We, but you have to know who you are. You are of God, little children, and, and have overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. See, a big part of knowing who you are, you're going to have to learn how to encourage yourself in this. This is how do you encourage yourself in the word of God? You speak it. Right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All of these things, I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 2 Corinthians 5.17, look at the prepositions. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, how many things? All things are become new. Everything became new the moment you accepted Christ. So A.J. AJ Gordon, the book I just showed you, In Christ, he said this. There's a quote from this book. I love this. No words in Scripture 
except those that say God manifest in the flesh hold within themselves a deeper mystery than this simple formula of the Christian life in Christ. This is the formula of the Christian life. I'm in Christ. You know, there was a man, uh, he started the whole Calvary Chapel movement back in, 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 on the beaches of California years ago. And uh, Chuck Smith was his name. He's in heaven now. But, you know, when, when we would talk to Chuck, when we were in small groups with him, he would never, he would say, I never ask a person if they're a Christian. I ask them, are you in Christ? Because that's, that is, that's everything. In Christ. Basically, what A.J. Gordon was saying, if you read the rest of, of that whole passage, he is saying that the most profound words in the Bible are in Christ. You know, it's funny, Gary Crowell, who's ministered here, and he's done so much in China and around the world, he would say this to me. He goes, you know, in America... American Christians will go in their Bible and they will underline every scripture that has to do with them being blessed. In China, they will, in that culture, every Christian will go and they will underline their Bible about everything that has to do with them suffering for Christ. Because so many of them, they're so thankful for what he's done and the new life that he's given them, that they just are like, I'm ready to suffer for Christ. You know, many Christians are thrown in prison when they don't have to in China. Many times in the Chinese culture, Gary told me that they're so respectful. And, and now this is not talking about lately because this new guy in China's wow. You know, he's really anti-God. Uh, but before, the, the Chinese military or the police would come to a church that was meeting and saying, hey, listen, um, we were coming to let you know that we will be back in a week or in two weeks, and we better not find you here. Out of respect. But a Chinese Christian many times will go, you know what? I'm willing to die for Christ. I'm willing to suffer for Christ. And instead of just moving... And going and meeting somebody someplace else, they would just stay there, right? So there's a different mentality. I'm saying that what we should do is we should be underlining every scripture that tells us who we are in Christ. Because I'm telling you, all of that will define who you are. And if there's one thing Satan does not want you to do is find out who you are. Not going to be not going to grow into as you, you know, spend 25 years in the word of God. No, no, who you are right now. Because a baby Christian who knows nothing has ultimate authority over the enemy. The enemy's completely defeated. So 130 in Christ scriptures, when you see the preposition for, this will always show you substitution. For example, Romans 6, 5. For if we have been planted, that Greek word means united together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. Every time you see the word for, it will show you a picture of substitution. How that he took your place. 
the preposition with will always show you identification. It will always show you how you're identified, treated as the same with Christ. Right? Remember this? Galatians 2.20. I am crucified, what? With Christ. Paul said that, right? Nevertheless, I live, but yet not I. It's Christ that lives in me. And now this life that I live in the flesh, I live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now the word in, that preposition in, it shows our union in Christ. So for shows our substitution, with shows our identification, in shows our union with Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. It's showing our, our union with Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So let's look at this. The doctrine of identification. I, I know this is kind of like, you know, this is kind of like a, 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 a really, you're, you're in Bible school right now. But you know what? You are in Bible school right now. But you're not here to learn. You're here to discern. You got to discern these things. Because you're going to be tested. There's going to be pop quizzes come up all the time. Maybe even tonight. But don't worry, they're all open book. And the, and the guy who knows all the answers is on the inside. And he's here to give you the answer. So, doctrine of identification. People are weak and have trouble yielding to God. Why? Because they are defining their identity, which is their positional truth, by their actions, which is their temporal truth. Let me say this again. Believers, Christians, people are weak and have trouble yielding to who? To God. What do I mean yielding to God? I'm talking yielding to God is even receiving from God. They have trouble because they're defining their identity. How? They're defining their identity. They're defining their positional truth, which is their identity, by their behavior, which is their temporal truth. Which means if I lead somebody to Christ today and I need to pray, I'm going to be okay. But if I've just messed up, you know, I, I might be in trouble if I need something from God. They start to look at themselves in the mirror based on their temporal truth, and they start to get who they start to think who they are based on what they're doing. And it's not that way. Who you are is what Christ has done for you and who he made you. Okay? Now Am I giving you a license to sin? I don't have to. Right? People, you're going to sin. You don't need a license. All you got to do to act and behave just like somebody in the world, you know what you have to do? Nothing. Just let your flesh do nothing 
and your flesh will heal. Your flesh will make you rude, make you selfish. You'll do all kinds of stuff. But oh, if you will figure out that, wait a minute, I have the life of God on the inside of me. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I'm identified with Christ. And you start to know who you are based on what he says, it will empower you to walk free in your behavior because you will come to know that that old man is actually gone. Most believers, when you even say that to them, they're like, oh, that, there's no way. I'm having trouble with this and that and this and that. You're having trouble because you don't know what the word says. You have not got revelation knowledge on what, the, what God's word says, and it's laid out there. So, there is a difference to who you are in Christ and what you live on the outside. There's a difference. Now, as you grow, there won't be much of a difference And you can grow to a place where there won't be any difference at all. But remember, it's not going to come from you living for God. It's going to come from you allowing Christ to live through you. Okay? Weak and fearful Christians, they want rules. Why? Because they don't know God. If we don't know who we are, you know who always loses? Us. But this is about us letting Christ live through us. Listen, his mercy is so much greater than your disobedience. I'm here to tell you tonight, if, if you get nothing out of this other than give yourself a break, the goal is to discover who you are and give each other a break. Listen, when a believer is being rude to you, that's just their flesh. It's probably coming from the inner turmoil of some stuff that's in their life that you have no idea about. I mean, I could confidently say that because I've lived that. Haven't you? Right? Mature Christians yield to the Lord. Why? Why do we? Because we know him. The only difference between a weak and a weak, a weak, that's a new breed, Between a weak and a fearful Christian, the only difference between them and a mature believer is the mature believer just knows God. That's it. Well, how do you know God? The Holy Spirit brings revelation knowledge. So our job and our focus is to know God. What is eternal life? According to John 17, 3, it's knowing God, right? There's six, and we're going to go through this. Go over to Romans chapter 6. I've done this before. You know, whenever I teach on the book of Romans, I go through this. But there are six declarations of our identification with Christ that's listed in Romans chapter 6. We're going to start in Romans chapter 6, verse 3. These six declarations... You must know them. The Bible says that we are to reckon ourselves dead to sin. You know why? Because we are. Now, for most believers, you say that, and believers will go, no, time out. 
There's no possible way I'm dead to sin because it's pulling me all the time. Okay, then you're right and what God said is wrong. Because God says you're dead to sin and now he tells you to reckon yourself dead to sin. And again, I'll, I'll use Pastor Edwin as an example, right? You know, he knows a little bit about math. And I asked him one time, because the word reckon, it's literally, uh, a reckon means, it's, it's like you have to, you reckon a problem. It's like an accounting term. So I asked him one day, and at a men's Bible study, didn't I? He's sitting there, he had no idea he was going to do this. I'm like, Pastor Edwin, can you tell me? Well, maybe, okay, now you know I've done this to you before. Maybe you know the answer to this problem now. What is X plus Y? Well... That's wrong. That's wrong tonight. That's wrong tonight. So do you have any idea? Could you answer what X plus Y is? No. Why can't you answer that? Because you need to have information on what X is and what Y is. If you don't know what X is and what Y is, it's impossible for you to reckon yourself dead to sin. Now God says... You were crucified with him. Do you know how many people live through crucifixion? None. You know the Greek word that he uses when he talks about dead? He uses the word for a corpse. I've never known a corpse to ever tell a lie. Have you? I've never, I've never, I've never, I've never been at a funeral and seen that corpse start gossiping about somebody. No. Do you realize that the word of God says that you were crucified with Christ? Not only that, how many people are still alive that have been buried after they've been crucified? None. God says you were buried with him. And then God says you were raised to newness of life with Christ to a brand new life. If any man be in Christ, what? He's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So, so many Christians think that if I could just overcome the sin in my life, I can get some of this stuff to work. God will love me and he'll move in my life and everything will be great. But the problem is... I just keep messing up. And I just try harder. And maybe if I come to more services and learn, you know, hear Pastor Tony talk more. No, 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 no. You simply need to know what X is and what Y is. You, in other words, need information. All you need is information so that you can reckon yourself dead. Without information, you can't. You'll think you're just a sinner saved by grace. Right? But if I told Pastor Edwin that X is 90 and Y is 1, what is X plus 9? Well, plus Y? 91. 91. It's easy. Was that hard? That's not hard. If you have the information, it's not hard. But see, it's not, it's not about having the information. Because you know how many believers, they, they read it. Yep, I was crucified with them, buried with them in baptism, raised to newness of life. Praise God. Jerk. 
three seconds later, come out of a charismatic, man, that saxophone, worship, oh God, I give my life to you. And then all of a sudden, a baby cries. Man, I wish, you know, I wish that baby would shut up. What's wrong with those parents? But I wonder if we had revelation knowledge of what the word said. In these five verses, the Bible says we'd be able to reckon ourselves dead because you are dead. That old nature, that old nature is not in your spirit. No, 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 no. It says here in verse 3, in other words, what we're saying tonight is, There are six things that we must know to walk free from sin. And these six things are six declarations of our identification with Christ. Isn't that amazing? Verse 3, Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized, this is the Greek word that means to immerse, into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. So we have to know that we have to, in order, see, with this, it's not really X plus Y. It's X plus Y plus Z plus A plus B plus C. There are six things. This is the first one. You've got to know you were baptized with Christ into his death. In other words, salvation is not, what my Baptist background rocks me even to say this still, but the reality is salvation is not about behavior. Why is that? Because I don't care how good your behavior is, your behavior could never be good enough to get you born again. Ever. Not even close The Bible says our own righteousness is as filthy rags. So this is a declaration of my identification. Who am I? I am baptized with Christ into his death. Verse verse 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also, or we also should walk in newness of life. Newness. This word in the Greek means in the new state of life which the Holy Spirit places us so as to produce a new state which is eternal life. A newness of life. Guess what that word life is? It's not natural life, it's zoe. It's the very essence and life of God. So from this verse, we have the second and we have the third thing. Who are we? We were ones that were buried with him. Number three, We were ones that have been raised to a newness of life. So if you look at this and go, okay, I've been baptized with Christ into his death, buried with him, 
and raised to newness of life, you are halfway to walking free from sin. If you'll speak that over your life and get revelation of it, because that's who you are. You have been identified with Christ. Now we are identified with his resurrection. Newness of life is what? It is the life that Jesus had after his resurrection. It's the life he has right now. That's why the Bible says, as he is. Not as he was, as he is, so are you in this world. Now, right now, you should start to be going, wow. So, so I think I'm a little bit more in Christ than maybe what I thought I was. When you know who you are in Christ, it'll change your prayer life. It'll change your ministry. It'll change everything everything because now you will know when i believe the word of god and speak the word of god when i bind satan when i when i you know resist him in the name of jesus man i know who i am because who i am is in him colossians says my life is literally tucked away with christ in god so let's keep going Jesus, who he is today, is who you're identified with. We are more than conquerors because of who we are in him. Why more than a conqueror? Because Jesus was the conqueror. Years ago, <clears throat> well, I'll tell this story. So Ken Norton is a, was a boxer back in the Muhammad Ali days and and I got to know him and his wife. I met him at a dinner. And, uh, you know, he, he fought all these guys. So, like, when Tyson was really kicking butt and all this stuff, I would, you know, Ken owned a Gold's Gym uh, in Lake Forest, California. And, and we'd talk about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, Tyson's fighting this guy. Who's going to win? Ken's like, you know, he'd talk kind of raspy, probably because he'd been punched in the head so many times by Muhammad Ali and George Foreman and all those guys. But... Um, he would go, they're both going to win because they're going to make so much money. It doesn't matter, right? But he would always talk about, he goes, yeah, I was the conqueror, but my wife Jackie was more than a conqueror, right? Because he would go into the ring. She never went into the ring, but she got some of the benefits of him being in the ring, right? If he made, if he made a large amount of money from a fight, guess what? She, she was more than a conqueror. She didn't have to train. Jesus did it all. All you had to do, what did we have to do? To be made the righteousness of Almighty God. We just had to believe. Do you see how faith is a rest? This, you know, we said this Sunday with the authority of the believer, don't let the fact that you're in a fight make you a fighter because you're not the fighter you've already won you've already been given the victory no wait a minute pastor this is serious they're saying i could die of what's in my body right now and it has no legal right it has no legal right in who you are in christ and jesus bore it and you don't have to and satan knows it but what's important is do you know it so this is huge, more than a conqueror.
So Romans chapter 6, verse 5. For if we have been planted, this word planted means united. Again, we said this earlier. If you have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. So we were united, united with him in the likeness of his death and in the likeness of his resurrection. Verse 6, knowing this, in, in the Greek language, this phrase, knowing this, means now keep this at the front of your mind. Knowing this, that, now you got to get this, that our old man, who is that? That's who we were in Adam. That's our flesh. That's us before Jesus. But, but we were identified with Adam. That our old man, right, is crucified with him. So who I was before I was born again was crucified with Christ. That is the positional truth of the word of God for your life. I was crucified 1962, well, if he went in the grave in A.D. 30, I was crucified with him 1930 years before I was physically born. Figure that one out. Wow. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body, now get this, that the body of sin might be destroyed. This Greek word means to be rendered inactive. That the body, the body of sin might be rendered inactive, might be put, it it literally can be translated, might be put out of business. What? Yeah, your flesh has no power to force you into anything. Now, it'll yell and scream, and it'll make you think it's, this is so hard, but it's not. The Bible literally, we won't get there tonight, but the Bible literally says that we're to put off the old man. It's as easy, how, how hard is it to take off your shirt? It's not very hard, is it? How hard is it to put on a shirt? Not hard. That's literally the Greek word that's used, where it says put off the old man, put on the new man. It's like taking off clothes. I think the enemy has tricked believers because they don't have revelation knowledge of six points of identification with Christ that can cause them to realize, wait a minute, this problem I think I've had with my flesh all these years, no, I don't have a problem with my flesh unless God's lying and he's not. It's... that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and henceforth, or from this time on, we should not serve sin. Why? For, verse 7, for he that is dead. In the Greek language, you could read it literally. For he that has died, he that has died and is now a corpse would be identical to a literal translation 
is freed from sin. But pastor, you don't understand. I just have this, it has this hold on me. It only has a hold on you because you don't know the truth so you can't reckon yourself dead. Number five, based on these verses, our old man was crucified with him. I'm sorry, let me say this right. You gotta get this. It doesn't say our old man was crucified with him, does it? It says our old man is crucified with him. So try to figure that out in your natural mind. The nature that's in my flesh that's trying to pull me into sin is crucified with Jesus who was crucified 1900 and some years ago. So you can't, you can't grasp this with your mind. You've got to have revelation knowledge of it in your heart that washes and renews and renovates your thinking of your mind. I wonder what would happen if when your flesh starts talking to you, just look at it and go, no, you were crucified. Shut up. You were crucified. The key to walking free from sin is knowing that your old man is, present tense, crucified. That desire that's in your flesh that wants to make you be fearful, wants to make you not trust God, wants to make you go do something that you know that you shouldn't do, that's contrary to the word of God, that man is dead. All that you're dealing with is thoughts. And all you got to do is take them captive with the word of God and you'll walk free. I'm telling you, and, and you know when you preach this stuff, I feel like I need to stand up here and say this about 300 times because it would start going off on people. All of a sudden people would go, what? what? Wait, wait, I'm free. I've had this problem with lying forever and I'm free? Your flesh rises up, you go, shut up. You're dead, you're crucified. You can't dominate me. The number six thing it says right here, right at the end, for he that is dead or he that has died and is a corpse is freed from sin. Number six, you and I have been freed from sin. In other words, we could kind of, we're, we're just about ready to close right now. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ took care of all of my behavioral problems. Boy, does that, that is a foreign doctrine in the church and it's right in Romans chapter six. But I'm telling you, we're gonna preach the word around here and, we're gonna, and people are gonna get free. Say this with me. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ took care of all of my behavioral problems. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ took care of all my behavioral 
problems. Say this with me. So therefore, I am free from sin. Wow. Isn't that good news? Sin, old habits, sickness, all of it are never to dominate us again. In the death of Christ, he brought an end to who you were. When he died, you died. The person that's sitting here tonight, all of you, you're new. The life of God, when you realize that, there's nothing that could stop you in the earth. In the death of Christ, he brought an end to who you were. Satan tries to tell the believer that the problem is sin, but this is not true. We have already been freed from sin. We must know this or we will just live like the world, which is what's going on right now. Knowing this causes us to live new and causes us to live free. Christianity is based on the cross of Christ. It's based on the blood of Christ and it's based on the resurrection of Christ. So in other words, we were immersed, we were crucified, we were buried, we were united with him in death, we were united with him in his resurrection, we were raised to newness of life, we were free from sin, and now we live in him. Wow. We got to know this to walk in our freedom. Notice we're talking about positional truth, not temporal truth. Satan tries to steal this from us, from getting us to think temporally. Getting us to focus on our behavior instead of focusing on who we are in Christ. And we read it all over the Bible. What what does Hebrews chapter 12 tell us? As we walk out and run our race, we're to what? Fix our eyes on Jesus who we are in him, not who we are on the earth. The Bible says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. This is the road to peace. This is why so many believers are not happy. This is why people don't want to come to church. They walk in church and they don't know God and they're looking at people going, ugh. That's why people who come to our church, they're they're like, wow. These people are excited. They're happy. Why is that? Because we know who we are in him. Adam's sin governed his family. Adam's sin caused sin and spiritual death to reign over our old man because we were Adam's seed. But Jesus' sacrifice received by faith, it causes righteousness to reign over our new man Because now we are the seed of Jesus. Jesus' sacrifice governs his family. And what, what Jesus did in the crucifixion far is not cannot even be compared to what Satan did through Adam. There's no comparison. You are free. That's who you are. You were born again free. Sin is not to dominate you. 
Think about that. The wages of sin is death, and Jesus' crucifixion removed every hope that Satan could bring death into your life. So if death is in your life tonight, just get it out. I'm telling you, take these scriptures and meditate in them until all of a sudden, I'm, I can't explain it, but when the light goes off and you start to see who you are, you're not going to be walking around buying the lies of the enemy when he says, shame on you and shame on you. You'll be like, no, no shame on me. My shame was put on Jesus. Amen.